Hey everyone, this is Kim, host of People Are Wild. I wanted to give you a quick preface before starting this episode. This episode is a little bit different. It was recorded about two, two and a half weeks ago um, between myself and another nurse. And we talk about what it's like working front lines and we discuss our frustrations within our respective healthcare facilities and our systems in place regarding getting our personal protective equipment and our PPE. And I just wanted to take the time before this to kind of give you that opportunity to really decide whether or not you want to listen to this episode. I know COVID is definitely all we can talk about nowadays. So if you need to give yourself that mental rest and that mental break, totally go for it. No hard feelings. I hope that you are taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you guys are staying safe, you're staying well, and you're staying connected with each other. And I hope that you, if you do want to listen to the rest of this episode, I hope that it gives you a little bit of insight about what we are dealing with from a nursing perspective within our hospital systems. And also, please be aware that this is definitely very much unfiltered and raw and uncensored, probably more so on my part. So without any further ado, I know I have lit my Dr. Anthony Fauci prayer candle, which is a real thing that does exist. And I hope that you have lit whatever prayer candle you need in this time of great strife and chaos and to enjoy this episode. So my name is Kim. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, so I, I haven't really been updating much, so I appreciate people being kind with that. But today, it's going to be a little bit of a special COVID candid chat. That's what I entitled it. I figured, you know what? Why don't we say it's our Lean on Me chat and doing a little bit of a homage to the dearly departed Bill Withers, who recently passed away, not from COVID, just passed away. I figured, why don't, why don't we do like a little candid talk between two nurses? So again, my name is Kim. If you're listening to this, you are listening to People Are Wild. It's a podcast I claim to have medicine and entertainment into something I call medutainment. It's very, very <laughs> complex, right? I've been able through social media to be linked to a bunch of people throughout the, the country, the nation, the world. And I never would have thought in a million years that having those points of reference and connection would come together in such a big way like we are right now. So uh, if you're listening to this and you're listening to this in the way future, there's a thing in 2020 going on right now called COVID-19, but for most people who are listening to it in the present day, we are living through this. So this podcast, this episode is not going to be about what is COVID-19. There are really fantastic podcasts out there covering this on a more scientific basis. For the ER and critical care among us, there is ERCast, there is EM Crit, who are doing fantastic jobs of covering this and best practice. And there's also uh, This Podcast Will Kill You, which covers it more from the basis of what is COVID-19. So if you're looking for that, go over there. They're amazing podcasts. But today is going to be a little different. This is going to be two nurses talking about our experiences with it. And I'm sure we will revisit this between me and you in the future, because this is something that isn't going to just resolve overnight. So joining me today, she and I linked together through the beauty that is Nurse Twitter uh, and TweetRN. Uh, Lessons from the Bedside is the account, if you are into that, put together by one of the most coolest people in all of Nurse Twitter, Kelly Reap, who kudos to Reap. We love you. But really, she's put together a lot of people who have these different modalities, different specialties, different expertise, and 
Tweet RN. If you're not following Lessons from the Bedside and you're a nurse, please remedy that. There's a lot of great support through that. And me and my guest met through that. It took me forever to actually follow her on Twitter, and I'm sorry. For the sake of a little bit of anonymity between me and her, I'm going to refer to her as Crit, the resident Canadian, neighbor up north, the Canuck with all of the knowledge. If you want to give us a basis of your background, I am always, I always say I'm primarily ER. I worked a little bit in the ICU, but I'm trained in the ER and that is my home. But you have a different perspective, not only being in a Canadian healthcare system, but with your specialty. Hi, guys. Thanks, Kim, for inviting me. So I'm a nurse in Ontario, Canada, and I work in critical care ICU. So we're the trauma center, the medical ICU, basically the sickest people in our region. They're coming to us. And of course, as of late, that does include uh, the COVID population. So I kind of was stoked on this because we're talking about seeing the same virus, same patient populations in terms of you know what's going on with our patients in real time. But we're in two different healthcare systems. You know, I'm based out of the United States and you have the Canadian reference. So we can really kind of look at it on how there are system failings and more system failings. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to be honest, and I am going to be honest, I always say, please be genuine, please cuss, please do whatever you need to on this, because being uncensored, especially right now, I think is vital for people to get a better picture of what's going on in the hospitals on the quote unquote front lines. So just for reference where I'm at right now, I'm working out of the Southeast, but I am actually wrapping up that contract in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so I will be going to the West Coast. And the West Coast has had a very impressive approach to their residents. And some of the numbers out of there look really, really good when you compare it to what's going on in the East, in the Northeast, and what I anticipate will be going on in the South and Southeast very soon. I've been telling people, oh, we're probably about a week to three weeks behind everybody else. And now I'm like, we're a week to two weeks, definitely a week to two weeks. And there's a lot of things going on that I've noticed, at least down here that I don't know if you've noticed too, Crit. One of my biggest things I noticed working down here, and again, I'm in the Southeast, and I think I did disclose earlier, to be a little bit vague, I won't say what city, but I am working out of Georgia. <sighs> there's, there's like, they're not taking it seriously. I mean, honestly, the, the residents here they're, they're not taking it seriously, which I am always like blown away by because the CDC is in Atlanta. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, Governor Kemp, and I know some stuff might have been taken out of context for the longest time, was very hesitant about doing things for the state. And you're like, dude, literally a stone's throw away from the center for disease control, all that stuff. And it's like, you know, if you're that far away, you're, you are, you can knock on the CDC's door and they'd probably be like, yeah, no, COVID is not going to be good. Wow. And actually just to backtrack, I kind of want to, on a personal thing, I want to apologize to anybody out there that knows me in real life or this has followed me. I was one of those people that downplayed how big this was going to be. Oh, preach. Same girl. I, oh. and you know, in retrospect, I was thinking about this today. I said, why did I do that? Based upon information from one source, when we are taught in a lot of ways, not just in nursing, but in a lot of ways to seek out other sources to verify things. Don't trust one source. And we all fell into this spell, I guess, of trusting media 
that can be edited, biased. How many times did you say to people, well, more people died from the flu, so I can't imagine this is going to be any worse or something along those lines. Oh, I was doing the reassurances where I'm like, you know, the numbers don't look too bad. The mortality rate's not even that bad. It's only in one thing. More people die of the flu every year. Yeah. I'm going to... Guilty. I'm guilty of it. And I'm going to look back on my time hop a year from now and be like, ooh, that did not age well. That status. So yeah. let me let me be the first right now, or at least upfront about it. I downplayed it. A lot of people downplayed it who... Our medical professionals. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but for me, I was like, I, I guess I was just, I was hypnotized by what was being put out there. And in retrospect, I don't know why I didn't pursue it more with my own research. So I apologize to anybody out there that I gave reassurances to. I gave reassurances based upon what I thought was fact. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of us did. So we're in it now, but I definitely wanted to come out and say, I'm the first to admit that I was wrong. <laughs> Mm, I'll be the second to admit I was wrong. I am ashamed and I apologize to anybody I misled because, wow. We were off base on it. We were wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Swing and a miss. That in and of itself, I was like, oh, shit, this is really bad. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Quick question for you. Yo. Like, let's get right into like the, just the dirty politics of this because, let's do it. you know, for you in the States mm-hmm. and myself in Canada recently, I'm sure we've all read in the news about uh, your fearless leader. Uh, mm. <laughs> Sorry, that was a deep inhale for another reason. <laughs> uh, so President Trump has um, tried to stop the selling of 3M and 95 masks to your neighbors here in Canada, which I, I could, both sides of it, I've, I've tried to put this in my head and, and think on it. Obviously, you want to take care of your own people. We have to take care of our own first and foremost. I understand that. However, I feel like between the States and Canada, we've always kind of been uh, one as a nation, we, you know, you go to war, we go to war, you're hurting, we're hurting, you know, nine 11, obviously everybody remembers the, the plane and the thousands of people in Gander and Newfoundland that, um, we just opened our homes and our hearts to. And so Canada's always been an ally with the States and we have a lot of trade. We rely on each other back and forth. It's not just a one way street, obviously. So that was a real sucker punch for us because we're in the same uh, crisis that everybody all over the world is. But, you know, we're siblings. We're like national siblings here, America and Canada. And so it really felt like a just a big old sucker punch to say, hey, you're on your own. Good luck. Sorry, uh, we're not going to let you have the masks anymore. I'm just curious what people's thoughts were on that or even what your take on that was. Well, number one, I think that a lot of information is fast and furious in how it's flowing. So I don't think people really realize what is going on until you have these discussions. So I don't know how many people realize that there's bidding wars going on for PPE. It's basically like eBay for medical supplies. And at the same time, our colleagues, and I'm not talking about just doctors and nurses, like I talked about this a little bit before, healthcare workers goes beyond doctors and nurses. It's everybody within a healthcare system, 
even home health, even long-term care, even AIDS, even, you know, the people who work in the cafeteria and, and everything in between. So we're all supposed to be coming together to band together. We're stronger together. Hashtag stronger together. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like, literally you guys are our neighbors and we talk about how you need to look out for your neighbor. Well, what about our neighbors up North and even, you know, our neighbors in the South? Well, um, I know his position with Mexico, so they probably are like, we're good. Like we don't want anything. Like (laughs) we don't, we're not going to expect anything down here, but you're right with, um, with Canada specifically, there's always been commerce between the two. I mean, there's businesses that are Canadian U S based, you know, like where they share things together. And I, I don't understand without going into conspiracy theory land in my head to rationalize things. Cause that's how a conspiracy theory is mostly born. Right. Is to try and rationalize things that don't make sense. And I'm like, God, somebody, it's, somebody's got to be profiting off of it. And somebody's got to be profiting off of not helping them because I can't fathom a political leader saying those lives aren't important because those people don't vote for me, but I can see it happening. I don't know. It's weird, right? Oh, it's happened. I wonder if it was a bigger deal. Oh, sorry. I'm also eating a chocolate peanut butter cup because that's basically all I do now. It's just self-care. Let me just... (laughs) This is self-care, okay? This whole entire conversation is self-care. This is who I am now. (laughs) Some of you are going to tune out because you're like, I can't listen to two nurses just bitch about shit. And that's fine. But some of you who are listening are like, yes, yes, yes. Tell it. So So I'm wondering if in the States, if it was even uh, as widely reported as it was here in Canada, because obviously we felt that that effect. Whereas in the States, it's probably just, uh, you know, a number of the ridiculous things that are being reported about. Honestly, you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know that Canada was part of that. I knew he wasn't, he was trying to like, there was the bidding wars going on. I knew, I knew that, I I just, does 3M have that much of a monopoly over things? Because there are so many manufacturers that have like stepped up and are like, well, we're not doing anything right now. We'll make you PPE. For 3M, hospital-wide and probably province-wide, nationwide, that's the company that we use to be medically fitted. And so obviously that's a company we want to stay for because then if we have to get fitted for all new masks from from a new company just thousands and thousands of people that first of all have to be tested and hopefully that's not a waste of masks we have 3m all over canada making other things 3m in canada nowhere do they produce the n95 masks so that's what's the big sucker punch for us is that we are we are solely reliant on that factory in the states now that being said 3m has said we think that would be a huge mistake. It would be a humanitarian crisis. And, you know, we would like to move forward and continue to supply Canada. And the interesting component of that is Canada supplies part of the material that they use for the masks. So, you know, you can try and shut us out, but it just goes to show again how reliant we are on each other as, you know, between the countries. And so we believe at this point, as of last evening, there is an agreement made to keep the masks flowing 
over to Canada. And in the meantime, we have had some other companies step up and say, hey, listen, we're going to start trying to make masks as well. So it'll be good to have something on our own soil. Fully understanding we're all in trouble. Right. So I didn't even think about the fact that like, you know, because New Balance came out and said, we're going to step up and we're going to make masks. Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, if they're, there's a difference between a mask and an N95. So if the N95s are all coming from the same company, because like you said, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Okay. So I know some of the people who listen to this podcast are not medical professional, don't necessarily understand what goes into this whole process of an N95 versus a mask. So I'm going to try and break it down. We'll try and break it down as as, um, simple as it is, because it's not that complex. So when you hear the term, we're low on PPE, that is your personal protective equipment, which goes across the board in a lot of industries. When you hear about an N95, that is a specific type of mask that's actually more of a respirator. Um, So it has a filtration device in there that helps to make sure that if you're working with patients, specifically in the hospital, you're working with patients and there's a risk of contracting some sort of virus or or whatever via airborne. Uh, there's different types of precautions, which they quiz you on ad nauseum about in nursing school. And then you still forget it until, until <laughs> the pandemic comes along. And you're like, what do I wear? What do I wear? Um, I forget. I forgot. <laughs> So with our N95s, you need to get those fit tested because the big thing that you worry about is airborne stuff. So if it's not sealed right and it doesn't cover you correctly, it runs a risk to you because you're not going to wear it properly. And if you don't wear it properly, you run the risk of getting exposure. You run the risk of contracting a disease or an illness or a virus or becoming a spreader where you're just a carrier for it, right? Which basically, if you know anybody in healthcare right now that is working at the bedside in any way, including long-term care, home health, and hospital, just consider them a carrier because we consider ourselves carriers. Yes. So that's why I am in a home by myself and my housemate moved out three weeks ago, which broke my heart because she she's adorable and has taken care of me down here and showed me Southern hospitality. But she had to make that decision because of what she does for her job. And rather than put me out on the street, like I've read some other um, medical professionals have had, uh, she said, I know people here that I can stay with and it's fine. So big ups to you, Miss Kathy. I love you. Um, But anyways, thanks, Kathy. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But going back to it, the other thing is that an N95 is a specific type of mask that has that respirator component to it, which means it's not to be used from room to room. In a perfect world, every single time you use an N95 for a patient, you throw it out. In fact, that's what it was until about a month ago throughout most of the freaking world is that you have these patients that are on that specific precaution that you need to use an N95, which which is that filtered mask. And then once part of your procedure for taking off your equipment is to take off your mask and throw it all away. And we'll get to how weird it is to reuse things that you were told and drilled into your head. Do not get reused because that's still a mind fuck to me. Yeah. And so in a perfect world, you throw away your respirator, you throw away your N95, you throw away your mask. These are one time only disposable things. You do not carry them from room to room. That is not what we're dealing with. And it's weird. So an N95 is like a souped up mask. We'll just say that it's a mask that's like ultra protecting to you 
to patients, to your your coworkers, to everybody else so that you aren't a spreader. And usually you ditch them, but we're not in that world right now. And then there's the surgical masks. So the surgical masks are the ones that you see most people wearing at the grocery stores. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some of them improperly. Y'all, if you're going to be wearing a mask, it has to go over your nose and your mouth. It can't just be over your mouth. Okay. Oh, I saw somebody very cleverly took a paper plate, put some hole punches in it and tied that sucker to the face. <laughs> People are getting quite creative. <laughs> I I sent my friends today. I said, do you think, do you think I could use like a Halloween mask? Like the, like from Scream, like that guy. Right. And, and I could just shop around Walmart. And I, I'm sure no one would bat an eye at Walmart. Right? No. But there was somebody, uh, somebody sent me a video of like one of those TikTok videos where people are shopping in masks and then it goes onto the forward facing camera and he has a face mask on. He was like, oh, it wasn't that kind of mask. So <laughs> he was just wearing a nice little beauty treatment. Um, oh. I mean, that might be from the CDC next week. <laughs> well, yeah, you never know. So, I mean, surgical masks. A surgical mask is more there so that you protect somebody else from your germs. Exactly. It's not, it doesn't have the filter in place. So it's not going to protect me wearing it from something you cough into my face, Mm -hmm. which happens a lot during cold and flu season. So that's why you end up being like, damn it. I just got exposed to X, Y, or Z because somebody coughed right in my face and I, I'm only wearing a surgical mask. I'm not wearing like an N95. Um, it, mm-hmm. it does offer some protection, but it's not the gold standard. So that that's a little crash course on the differences between masks. But again, mm-hmm. those masks are disposable. You're only supposed to use them one time. You whip them off and you put them you put them in the trash. How do you feel about having a mask sack, a nice little paper bag? Because they instituted that at my facility two weeks ago. I mean, I'd heard other people reusing. I'd seen everything, and I was like, "Well, last time I worked, we had enough." But I wouldn't be surprised. And sure enough. We were, I don't know if it's changed because it changes week to week, day to day, hour to hour. Our current protocol is that we get one N95 that we have to make last as long as possible and a paper bag to put our N95 into. So when you say as long as possible, are you talking like as long as possible for your shift? Are you talking like multiple days? Oh, God. So there is new rules that were printed off for our donning and doffing. And I need to take a picture of the newest ones because I'm going to start. I should, I should have done it for last week. Cause you could see like the evolution of our donning and doffing as a way of just reminiscing when I could tell the grandkids about it one day. Right. So initially it was like, it normally is where you take off your mask every time every patient one mask goes in the trash. Yeah, yeah. Then it switched up to N95s for suspected COVID patients because when you work in the ER, you don't know until you start doing tests. And even then, you don't know proof positive until that test result, the COVID test comes back. Well, right now, at least where we're at, we don't have enough tests to do widespread testing. So we're not even testing people who have had known exposures who present symptomatic. We're treating it like you would with the flu, where you don't necessarily test for people that 
I've been around people who have the flu and then end up getting flu-like symptoms. You just assume you have the flu. So we're doing that sort of logic to save testing. And we're only really testing people who are going to be admitted to the hospital because then we need to know. So that's happening in a lot of places too. So that should make you feel really great about the fact that people are being... If people are being discharged who are full-blown COVID positive, but because they're not horrible enough to be admitted, we're A, not testing them and B, not keeping them. Yeah, that's exactly how we're doing it here in Canada as well. So we always, we're always trying to say the numbers that are being reported, you can guarantee they are three to four times that in the population because of all the people that we send that we don't test because we don't have the tests. We don't have enough tests. We don't have enough tests. We don't have enough PPE. Let me tell you, I came, you know, we're in this critical shortage and um, we have, this is uh, maybe a little bit embarrassing, but we have officers. So we have a person assigned Oh, I've seen like paper. I've seen people take pictures of like officer protocols yeah. where you have to like talk. Yeah. Is that the one? Did you? No, was that you? That no, but that we have that. But I've seen the one where that's like, stop, you have to do this if you want to live. Yeah, optional. exactly. And so somebody has to watch us um, don our gear and then watch us dock our gear. So we had this admission came in who was a query COVID. And, um, you know, everyone's busy doing their thing. It's time for me to come out of the room. We also have signs on all the windows. So I'm just following along, you know, all the, you know, take your stuff off. Nobody's around. And it was just instinct. And I took that mask off, put it in the garbage, and I came out of the room. It re- I realized everyone's standing there staring at me. And then I was just like, shit, shit, shit. Because I had just thrown that sucker in the garbage. And, I, and it was such a, but it's so ingrained in us. That's normal that's a normal thing to do take your mask off put it in the garbage like i would never come out of a room wearing that mask and now that's you know you're trying to reprogram your brain to think oh yeah it's normal just to wear this now for as long as possible and we get we're we don't get paper bags we're given um uh, plastic containers so we can uh, put oh, like tupperware yeah yeah like a little you know you don't want to put it in your lunch by any means so we get a little plastic container to put up to our face, take, take the mask off, if you're having a break, whatever. And then, you know, put that dirty Tupperware right back up to your face and put your dirty mask back on. I'm not going to lie, y'all. If you're making memes out there, God bless you. Because some, oh, God. some of the COVID memes, just like chef's kiss. Beautiful. Amazing. You guys, right? you guys are the heroes. Oh. Okay. People are so clever. They're so like, funny. Oh, I live for them. And it might seem dark, but ooh, it gets us through. Know. It gets all of us through because there, there's one that I saw that's like, I don't know. It was like the, the picture of the baby Yoda, the child from the Mandalorian, uh, all like sparkly on the little robes it wears, holding the tea or holding the drink. And it said like something about how uh, it's like COVID-19 waiting for me to put my mask back into a dirty bag. <laughs> and i was like is that so perfect because i it's so weird i go into a room of a presumed positive patient who is not bad enough that needs to be admitted who will not get a test and goes back into the community has covid 100 percent. i go in that room i do all this stuff i do all the discharge teaching they go out of the room 
we do terminal cleans on these rooms. We don't even, we used to have uh, a machine that did these like deep, intense cleans, but it took too long. So then they changed that for our amazing environmental service people, like give them a clap and a round of applause. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to give snaps. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'm, I'm there. So we have to tell them it's terminal clean. They're working their asses off trying to keep up with all these turnovers on these rooms. So the patient's gone. They're doing the cleaning. And like, you're just walking out of a room realizing that you're reaching for your mask and going, wait, I got to hold on to this, but I got to clean it first. So, you know, I got to wipe it down and clean it. And there's a whole procedure now that they've written that I've seen on how to clean your N95 so it doesn't get too soiled and you can still reuse it. What? Oh my God. There are places that are doing UV cleaning. Yeah. But that's not at every hospital. And some of the hospitals that I've worked at, they do UV cleaning because you can stick your phone in there and it cleans it. Yeah. So they're doing the same sort of thing with all the masks and some of the face shields. That's what I was reading on. Sorry. It's not, it's a protocol on how to clean your face shield so that you can reuse it. I'm sorry. It's not for your mask, but for the mask, it's just so weird. Like the paperwork that comes out every single day is different. Yo, you mean you mean by the standards are just lower and lower every day? Every day. And it's so infuriating because you look across the world and they're in their pappers. Um, you know, they're in hazmat suits. They got three, four layers on. They have the full coveralls in some places. And then, you know, as it's like, they're not getting nothing and they're like protected to the nines. And you think, oh God, this must be airborne because of the way they're approaching. It looks like it's airborne. And then somehow it skips on over across to our side of the world and it's droplet and don't worry, you just need uh, an N95. You don't need all the gear that they have. And then they're like, well, actually, it's just droplet contact. You, you'll be safe with your surgical mask and face shield. And you're like, okay, that doesn't feel good because I still see how things are going on the other side of the world. But I guess it must uh, it must change while it travels over to us. And then I think the most recent one is, yeah, yeah, go ahead and wear a bandana. I mean, we don't want you to, but it's, you know, do it if you need to, because that's all we have. And it's just, give me a break. So a lot of people are talking about it or who are reaching out, I'm sure to you as well, are doing stuff on the conditions of anonymity and not having things associated with them. But I can tell people who are listening right now, there are people getting fired for bringing their own personal protective equipment into their workplace because it's not given to them. And so that's what that viral video that went kind of viral not too long ago about that nurse that was crying saying she showed up to the unit. There's more behind that video. It's not quite the story, but there is some things that are based in truth with that video about her bringing her own PPE and then management giving her an option. So there is a little bit more to that. There's always more to some of these But there are, and it's not, I'm not speaking on her thing. I'm speaking about my friends who have reached out to me who have said that people have been warned against bringing masks that are like the cloth masks to put over their PPE um, to try and Mm -hmm. give a little bit of endurance to those masks, which is what I'm going to do, actually. So it's like every week I have to approach, how am I going to make all of my equipment last for all of my shifts? So. The way that I work is usually I work a stretch of days in a row. So I usually work about 
six days in a row. And last time I worked, I had two N95s for all six of my shifts. Wow. Yeah. So, and then on my Friday, they switched it up. Well, number one, for me personally, I, I had flown on a domestic flight and because I had flown in the week that it like became pandemic status, I had to wear a mask while working. And as long as I monitored my symptoms, my temperature, and uh, I was asymptomatic, I could still work, even though I could have potentially been exposed in the community and on the plane and what have you. Mm -hmm. But I could still work. But the only way I could work is if I wore a mask while doing all of my patient interaction stuff. So I had to do that for two weeks. And then um, when I came back is when they were telling everybody else, everybody else in the staff that now all of us have to wear surgical masks. So in a way, I was like, okay, well, I'm used to this. But everybody else was like, what? What masks do we wear? So then they started running out of one kind of surgical mask. That's better. And Mm -hmm. they had to go... Probably the one with the face shield, right? And then then they had to go to the tieback one until they got more of the face shield ones. Yeah. And the tieback ones aren't the best, but they're better than nothing to an extent. Mm -hmm. Which is sad that that is just the common theme of things that we're saying. Well, it's better than nothing. Really, that's that's the standard now. It just infuriates me. Anyway, go ahead. No, but it's 100% what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you look at the CDC and they're saying, well, it's not ideal to use it. But if you have it on hand, it's better than nothing. There's reports of people working at, I think, in the UK and in maybe not so much Italy, which, by the way, I haven't heard much from Italy lately. I'm hoping that they're okay. Like, I'm just hearing more. Yeah. I'm hearing more between North America and the UK because we're like the disaster zones right now. Exactly. Exactly. I, I haven't heard any trending up uh, of Italy. Have you? I have not as well because now, of course, now that it's more local, that's where our that's where the coverage is. Uh, you know, is being placed. I know. I have to kind of dig into the the social media and Twitter because I know I follow some people who are actually in Italy. So I got to figure out where they're at and see if they're they're seeing trending hopefully flattening but i mean it is it's like every single day every single hour our charge nurse on one of my one of my shifts our charge nurse got called like midway through the shift and had to go through the whole entire unit and dole masks out and change out everybody's mask because it was she said i just got off the phone with the manager and now we have to wear these masks here and i'm like are you fucking kidding me like oh my god i get frustrated by it because Everybody out there who is staying at home, working from home, doing isolation, actually doing social distancing, staying six feet apart when you're actually out there, you guys are frontline. You guys are doing what needs to be done to help to stop transmission. We're having failures in our own healthcare system between people who work, walking out of a room, having to reuse a mask, taking that mask into another patient's room who actually might not have COVID might just have an upper respiratory infection but guess what me and my mask just walked in your room exactly and and exposed you to it and it's not just between patients how about between my coworkers? these are my this is my work family and i don't know if i'm going to be putting my work family at risk like that's my fam and i would it just it blows my mind 
that this is what it's going on. Exactly. Like I read about um, Henry Ford uh, in Detroit, like in Michigan. So they are, it's interesting to see what's happening there because at the last I read, they had 600 staff out. Um, and I'm not sure what number was positive COVID plus all the pendings and the quarantines. And the most astonishing piece of that is that they're not even in a PPE shortage. So that was just, that just set off such alarms because if here's a hospital who they're not even in a shortage and yet they're still have COVID just rampant, what is happening to us who doesn't have adequate protection? Yeah, that's true. You know, what are our numbers going to look like? I mean, you, and it's weird because it's like, I understand fully nurses that are apprehensive about taking care of patients without having proper equipment because we've never ran into this problem before. And honestly, I, I shouldn't say nurses, healthcare workers, because yeah. sometimes we have to tell our EVS personnel, don't go in that room yet. I got to find you. A, what's your mask size? Like, don't go in there because they don't have the mask. We're keeping them under lock and key. So it's like, they can't even start to do their job until we give them the right mask. And then... Oh, yeah. It's like a narcotic. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's 100% like it. Yeah, actually, I didn't even think about it that way. But yeah, it's just like, you know, wait here. Don't do your job because it's, it's exposing you to unnecessary things without having it. And it's like sometimes... You know, you get cold and flu season and it's droplet. And technically, that's a terminal clean too. But... You don't have to go in necessarily, I guess technically you probably should go in with a mask, but for a lot of us, because we have a vaccine, we're like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'll be okay. Right, exactly. Yeah. But that's what's crazy about this is that there's, there's no, there's no vaccine. There's no treatment. And then the other side of the coin too is, and I don't know if people have heard about this, but there is a potential for getting reinfection. Like, yes. The whole antibody thing about creating the antibodies. Well, how many antibodies do you need? Because people are getting reinfected in the Asian countries. Like they're coming out and saying they're getting reinfection. And it's not just prolonged. It's like people who had two negative tests and then they got sick again. And now they're getting reinfected and they're testing them and it's COVID again. Yeah, it's funny because I mean, not funny, haha, but I was um, sick a few weeks ago. I'm probably right when it was just starting to hit Canada. And so it was present. It wasn't quite community acquired yet. But anyway, they made me take the swab. And um, part of me was kind of hoping that I had it because A, I was getting better. And B, I thought, oh, I'm going to have this super immunity. I'm going to be so ready to fight when it's here because I've already had it. And, um, and then I was like a little disappointed. You know, not that I'm crazy, but because... I really had told myself this story that I was just going to be so safe now. And, you know, I'd be this, this super person, like, you know, somebody who had Ebola and, and recovered. And then, of course, the reports came out that you can be reinfected. And, and so that all got blown out of the water. And it turns out I didn't have it. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's funny how you, you think that we don't, we just don't know enough about it. And that's the story that I told myself as I was going to be this big, you know, super immune person to it and yeah give me all the covids but didn't play it like that well and then there's like I, I mean i know as of right now as of this recording the mortality rate that's being reported that we can actually link 
isn't horrendous, but it's spreading so fast and it's so contagious that it does get into your mind where you're just like, well, like (laughs) my, my dad checks in on me every day because he's just like, are you sleeping? Okay. I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not sleeping. Okay. No. Is anybody sleeping? Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's why he checks is because I mean, he's stressed to an extent uh, doing his stuff. And now he's got to stress out about his kid that's thousands of miles away working in a hospital, getting exposures to it without having proper gear. And this is the thing. I mean, people, I think one of our friends, Kim K, she made this really good post that I kind of reading before about the hero mentality about how you guys are healthcare heroes. And it's like, let's back away from that. And let's focus on the fact that that we are underprepared. And I've been, when this first started, I was like, oh my God, we are so underprepared for this. And this wasn't even when we were really in a shortage. I was just like, oh, we're underprepared. We are understaffed and underprepared. Oh yeah. And then like a week later, I was like, we're so fucking underprepared. Um, so, but the whole hero thing, it's very complimentary, which is, which is nice. It does give you like a, a nice little, uh, you know, hit of serotonin every now and then. But at the same time, it's like, I don't, I don't want to say we're in the same thing as, you know, soldiers and troops, but in a way we are, we are, we absolutely are. They go in with their training and expertise and experience to do their job, but they have gear. Exactly. We go in expecting at work to have our gear and our gear is a change out of scrubs and guidelines that change every day and depleting shortages of the actual equipment that keeps us safe. And good luck. Here you go. And by the way, your coworker could be on a vent the next time you work. Hopefully that doesn't fuck you up in the brain. You're still expected to come in the next day. Exactly. You know, it's funny you should, we, you know, we bring it around to the wartime talk because we were watching, um, I don't know, one of the, uh, a war movie and, um, it had these, uh, kamikazes. And, um, my son said, mom, that must be how you feel like. You must feel like you're strapping on a kamikaze vest, almost like you're on a suicide mission. And man, that was, like, wow, if you think about it, the way we're ill-prepared, underprotected, and it's like, it's worse. At least a soldier has a gun, some form of protection, where, you know, the way we're being sent in, and we don't want to be heroes. This, you know, we're, we're trained and educated for this. Like, this is, this is our jam on any other day, right? We, like, this is what we do. But when we're trained and educated and go through all the scenarios, we have protection, we have the PPE. And so this is, you know, such a horrible component to it where it's so unsafe and unsafe for us. And if you, you know, once the front line goes down, as in any war, everybody's vulnerable, right? And then who's going to be left to take care of the people in the community if we're, if we're all quarantined, if we're in hospital, if we're dying, because we're the ones that that have that skill and that knowledge to help get you through it. Well, and that's the thing is that, you know, you, you look at the cases that are happening in Michigan that are being reported and you look at the cases, I think Louisiana is seeing a, a, a bit of a bump going on too with their healthcare people and their healthcare workers getting infected. And it's like, I talked about it earlier this week because I had somebody who reached out to me who said, 
I need to tell you how fucked up it is in my hospital. And then I realized this is sort of going on in a lot of hospitals. So I'm going to say it right here. There's a lot of healthcare workers who are working while having positive signs of COVID, but because they're not symptomatic, quote unquote, towards their hospital's policy, which changes from facility to facility, they are not allowed to quarantine unless they use their own PTO and it's on them essentially to do everything in terms of follow-ups because the hospital won't do it. The hospital will only do it if you show up symptomatic. And even then, you can't necessarily prove that even though you were exposed to a presumed positive that we didn't test, that we let go back into the community, you can't prove that that's the person that infected you, even if it probably was, because it's so widespread through the community. How can you say that it wasn't community acquired versus a hospital work thing? So you can't even file for a workman's comp claim in any way either. It's madness. And the way they're kind of washing their hands towards it, but putting out public statements about how, but don't worry, our staff is, you know, priority to us, their health and wellness. And then inside the confines of the building, it's just, it's, it's a different message. It's what we're laying out right here. <laughs> we're, it's what we're telling you guys. Yeah, exactly. And so we're unsettled and we're angry and we're hurt and we don't know who to trust. And the, of course, at the end of the day, it's always each other. We are each other's um, support system. We are each other's, uh, you know, phone a friend. And that's honestly each other is the reason why we even still show up because because um, it's certainly not out of allegiance to uh, the institutions who we're just, we just don't know where our trust lies. Yeah. That's why I always say it's a family. I mean, honestly, these, this is your work family. I mean, honestly, talking about how you show up for your work family. I mean, a lot of us are isolated from our actual family. So we are clinging to each other more than before. And on that note, this is actually a good way to close it out. My biggest concern since seeing everything drop down the pipeline is that right now in New York, Michigan, Louisiana, and a lot of these hot spots, you're seeing it on the news, all these numbers climb, but it's going to be everywhere. And it's going to hit everywhere in different ways. I mean, yes. So rural towns might not see it as bad as you do in New York City, but they'll see it really bad for them. And at the end of it all, Healthcare workers are not going to be okay. They're they're all going to be affected mentally, and and a lot of them are going to end up more than likely leaving the profession. Absolutely, and a lot of them that don't that stay are going to need people outside of healthcare, outside of the work family. They're going to need people who are listening to this um, to check in on them in the months, in the years from now, because. We're already not okay and we're in it and we're angry, but we know we have an obligation to do this. So we show up. But when we have a chance to actually step back from this and reflect and we have a sense of containment, we have a sense of treatment modalities, things that work for people, a vaccine, whatever it is, or a combination of things. And we actually have that chance to actually exhale and take a look at where we are within this profession, a lot of people are going to fall by the wayside and we can't let that happen. And in healthcare, a lot of times you say, I'm fine. 
Listen to the people who are saying they're not fine. Listen to the people who keep talking. Listen to the people who are not talking because they're not sleeping just like a lot of you guys are. But they're seeing things that you see in combat. I was talking to my dad. My dad is a Vietnam vet. And I was talking to him about some of the stuff that people are coming out of New York with. Because I I mean, I've worked with people who are actually in New York right now. I'm working with people who are trying to go up to New York. And I get it. I get that call to like be there in the action where it's really bad. But I urge everybody listening to to just take a chance and like breathe for a second and like disconnect a little bit every day just just to disconnect even if it's only for like 30 minutes from your phone from your computer whatever it is and just like be present within that moment because you gotta hunker down for the long haul for this yeah it's almost like a cleanse to just you know have that time to do a little cleanse a little refresh a little reset because we're still in it you know, we're in the thick of it. And and I mean, we're not even seeing it peak right now. It's still climbing and and it is scary and it is uncertain. And we're scared too. I mean, I've never been more uneasy within my profession, but there are certain things that it's like I fall back on the basics. You fall back on your ABCs and you know, you, you go from there. But But it is, it's like, we're right there with you with everybody who's just anxious and nervous and uncertain of things, but you know, we're still going to show up and we're still going to do our jobs, but we definitely need people to, to listen to this and to listen to the messages of people who are making videos and tweeting out things because a lot of people can amplify our voices and, hearing from us in the front lines we're not even necessarily frontline front lines we're not seeing it in high volumes i'm not i know where i'm at but we are seeing it and it's like you know we're gonna we're gonna tag out for the people that are exhausted because this is going to be a a major ultra marathon of a race and and it's just starting i keep telling people i'm like dude we're at like mile two of a hundred mile race right now Exactly. Yes, exactly. And and if we don't if we don't oh, pace it. <laughs> okay, here's my other here's my other analogy. God. What's my other analogy? I think I always keep saying is uh we have a boogie board against a tsunami right now and we're bound we're bound to wipe out. But at some point in the future, we're going to figure out the finesse, we're going to figure out the technique, we're going to figure out how to find the balance and then we'll be able to ride a wave with confidence. But right now, we are so fucking underwater that at some point, some points you momentarily pop out of the water and you're like, here I am. And then another wave hits. So we are not in that position right now where we can find our footing. No, absolutely not. We need the people on the shore. The people who are, the people who stay at home are the people on shore who are cheering for us. We need you guys to raise the alarm too. Like as much as you're saying we're heroes. I need you guys to like get us stuff. You know what I mean? Like I I need you just to listen to us and and just amplify things, share this podcast, share tweets, make a lot of noise because right now that's one of the biggest things we need is people to make noise. We're not in a position where we can sound the alarm because we're bound to our employers, but we can certainly get the word out, you know, exactly like we're doing right now 
so that the others can make the noise and let, you know, rise it up the ranks of your community of whoever's in charge or leadership and, and let them know we're not safe. You know, we need more. We, you know, we need you guys to be the ones doing that for us. Be our voice when we're kind of, you know, under a bit of a gag order. Yeah, we have a lot of, we still can speak, but there is threats of retaliation, even if it isn't necessarily overly stated. Yeah. It's there. It's always underlying. There's a reason yeah. why I'm referring mm-hmm. to crit as crit. There's a reason why I don't tell people what <laughs> hospitals I work at or even any cities I work at. I try and go general with the region. Sometimes I'll disclose a state and that's it. You know, at the end of the day, I have to protect myself um, as much as I want to protect everybody else that I work with from coast to coast throughout this globe. We all we all have to remember that, you know, we we always have to come back to protecting ourselves. So that's why we need people to, to really listen to this. And a lot of it might kind of be rambling. But if you if you take one thing out of it is that there are things in healthcare going on right now that will and have cost the lives of people out there that have needlessly, you know, died because of it. Um, for the most part, you know, that that should not have happened. And reusing equipment that is made to only be used once in any other industry, it would cause failure. So why is that acceptable in healthcare out of any, any industry? Why is it acceptable in healthcare? Yeah. Um, bottom line it's not it's not acceptable right like that's just the the bottom line it is not acceptable it's just the expectation right now and that's just such a double standard but thanks for having me i just want to give a shout out to all our brothers and sisters who are still showing up no matter what the role is yeah in the institutions that they're at if it's a hospital even in the community whatever role they have massive shout out mad love and respect to you guys and um let's get through it let's just get through to the other side yeah i mean i think we're gonna probably be checking in with each other either through doing this or what have you because this is we're in it for the long haul and we all gotta you know i'm i'm good at running in terms of i run far i don't run fast though and uh we have to pace this one out. Like this is definitely one of those things where we have to pace it out. We have to mentally be in that mind state that we are in it for the long haul. And we all have to in an appropriate social distancing setting, lean on each other and look out. This is what I always tell people is this is how I close it out. Is to always believe in the good practice, random acts of kindness. And the big thing that I definitely want people to take away from this is to look out for the underserved and overlooked, especially now. You got anything to add, Crit? No, that's good. Thanks for having me, everybody. Uh, stay safe, stay home if you can. And, uh, you know. Yeah, we'll be okay, you guys. But right now it's kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's very shitty. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's shitty. Okay. Now I hope that by listening to this, maybe you have a better sense of some of the challenges and difficulties that we are going through within healthcare between respective countries uh, with getting personal protective equipment, with feeling safe in these environments. And if it's something that makes you want to be like, God, I want to do something, there's a great website called getusppe.org that I really, really, really encourage you to check out because there are still even two and a half-ish weeks later post-recording, there are still these failures within our supply chains that 
in the in the end directly affect our ability to get this equipment and get these resources to people working front lines across the board in order to take care of patients safely. Uh, so this is definitely an issue that is still going on. And it's something that if you don't necessarily have somebody near you or that you know that is working front lines, you might not have a clear picture of. And I'm hoping with this episode that maybe you do have a better sense of what is going on. I also hope that even though it kind of ended with me saying things are shitty right now, which is real, I mean, let's just be uh, genuine and real about things and honest with ourselves, it is quite shitty out there. The biggest piece of advice that I have for you guys that has helped me personally with all the things that I've seen throughout the years and the processes of grief that I've had to encounter along the way, uh, one thing I always do is to find one thing in every day that brings me happiness, be it a song, um, sometimes a podcast episode that I re-listen to over and over again, a video on YouTube that I watch, a picture of a simpler time maybe, just one thing that brings a smile to your face or a laugh. It helps, at least personally, it has helped me to face days that are filled with chaos, that are filled with frustration, to have that one bright spot in my day. And if that helps you, do it. So on that note, continue to stay safe, to practice social distancing, to wash your hands, to do everything people are telling you, but really continue to take care of yourself. You are number one. You are so, so needed in today's world right now with what's going on and you're needed in the future your light is needed your spirit is needed you are needed and i am so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to this episode in particular and i'm so thankful that you exist